I think we can tell by your excitement you know what this is. <laughs> this is iPad Mini. Of course, the iPad Mini came out this week. How does Apple make sure we buy these things? It's all very intentional. It's all been planned out. Sam Biddle of Gizmodo got his hands on the top-secret Apple Store employee manual. Now, Sam, it seems like Apple, uh, in this document, is, is tending to every facet of their employees' behavior and, and even appearance. Uh, yeah, completely. Um, right. That there is, there is an Apple way to do pretty much everything that happens inside an Apple Store. Um, almost every, you know, every minute physical gesture uh, there's a right and wrong way to do it. Uh, there's, there's a wrong way. There's an Apple way to stand. There's a not Apple way to put your hands on a you know table. Well, you're supposed uh, to stroke your chin. <laughs> I think I think that was that was my favorite part was you know this this sort of absurd chart of which behaviors are considered aggressive and which are consider uh, which are considered friendly. Yeah, the, this is the section uh, emotion portrayed by nonverbal gestures. Yes. Which is like basically, uh, a, it's a chart teaching you how to be a human being. Exactly right. If, if you have just arrived here from uh, some extraterrestrial culture, uh, this would be a pretty good primer on you know how not to seem like you're going to murder someone. You know, like smile, don't you know put your hands in the fists up in front of them. Uh, well, you you have the you have the chart in front of you. Um, can you give us sort of an example of how the language works in the chart? Uh, yeah, so on the chart, which appears on page 45 of the manual, um, positive uh, behaviors are broken down into things like cooperation, expectancy, evaluation, acceptance, and then subdivided into things like unbuttoned coat, which is a sign of cooperation, uh, or stroking your chin is a sign of evaluation, or tilting your head, uh, hand-to-cheek gestures. I'm not really sure what that means. I guess just scratching your face. But then... On the other side of the chart, uh, drumming on the table or putting your head in your hands is a sign of boredom. <laughs> You're not supposed to uh, kick the ground or ball your fists. No, no, and don't point directly at anyone or make a tisk sound. Um, those are signs of frustration, according to Apple. So there's this other, they, it looks like throughout the manual they have all these basically role plays for, exactly. you know, what yeah. if a customer says this? So let, let's, you and I go go through one of them. This is a technique well, first, tell us the technique. It's called the three F's. The three F's uh, are, yes, feel, felt, and found. Yeah, it's a way of putting yourself in the other person's shoes so that you don't have to actually admit any wrong. So Apple has this, uh, they have it lined up, so you, the, the, the genius is supposed to use all three of the F's in one interaction. Um, yep, yep. So I'll, I'll be the customer here. Sure. Um, so, uh, Genius, this Mac is too expensive. Uh, I can see how you feel that way. I felt the price was a little too high myself, but I found that the real value is because all the built-in software comes uh, right there. <laughs> uh, so you, 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 know, you see that I haven't really answered your problem, which is the fact that the computer is expensive, but I'm saying you know, I'm, I'm sort of like speaking to you from within this uh, conscience, <laughs> this, this retail conscience, that you know, this isn't so bad. Um, without actually having to talk about a price tag at all. The Apple employees are also, they're limited. There's things that they are absolutely not allowed to say. Oh, yeah, a lot is off limits. So tell us a few of the things that, that jumped out at you there. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, you're not, you're not allowed to acknowledge that there are any uh, bugs uh, in, in the world. 
world of computing, which is, you know, ridiculous. Everything is bugs, whether it's an Apple product, a uh, Google product, an Android product. You're not even allowed to say problem, though, which, which <laughs> really? is really incredible. Yeah, I can understand uh, maybe wanting to avoid the word bug, because you don't want to portray the stuff you're selling as having bugs. But everything has problems. Uh, you know, someone, even if someone drops their computer and it's completely their fault, they might say, well, the problem getting the laptop hinge to close. You're not allowed to call that a problem. You, you're supposed to refer to it as a condition or an issue. Like, <laughs> a condition. Right, like it's come down with glaucoma or something. You know, It's <laughs> a, a situation. Sometimes it's, it's really just a flat-out denial of reality. Uh, <laughs> geniuses are not allowed to say hot, the word hot, when talking about a computer. Nothing runs hot. And, Which and, is a huge thing, at least with my iPhone. It, it will get so, so hot. Oh, it'll, yeah, I mean, if you, if you use it outside sometimes, it'll get so hot that it shuts down. Uh, my laptop at work gets so hot that I, it's uncomfortable to touch it. You're only allowed to say warm. Um, <laughs> warm. The condition is known as warm. Right. You, you, you can never say the word hot. Can I ask you one more thing? Um, sure. This is something I actually kind of rely on here in Chicago. It's, it's really in the, win- the cold winter. I'm. Mm-hmm. I get really. I'm so happy when it warms up because I'll sort of stick it inside my glove and it'll warm up my hands. Right. Um, <laughs> so you you follow these things a lot. Is there maybe a best like app or something that is going to warm up my phone the most so I can? Oh wow. Kind of predict uh, <laughs> it. <laughs> I think your best bet is probably a uh, a game like a very uh, snazzy 3D game. Um, there's one called Infinity Blade. Oh okay. Uh, that's particularly, you know, you just want something that's going to kill your battery, basically. Right. Um, you know, make you know, turn Wi-Fi on, turn Bluetooth on, <laughs> turn as much stuff on as possible, and then put on a game, and that thing will, I think, will be like a coal. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thanks, Sam. My pleasure, really. You're listening to How to Do Everything. In uh, just a minute, we're going to help you with some Halloween costume advice. Because Halloween is next week. It's right around the corner. But first, the World Series is happening. The uh, San Francisco baseball giants are up two games on the Detroit Tigers. Everyone is talking about this. Mike is very excited about it. Very excited. I don't know anything about baseball. I've never been able to watch it or care about it. Now, if you're dumb like Ian, you don't know that those are two of the teams. You have the Giants, it's the baseball team from San Francisco, and the Detroit Tigers are from Detroit. Okay, that's good. And I've also learned from Mike that I'm supposed to look for a player that they call the Kung Fu Panda. Pablo Sandoval, he hit three home runs in the first game, which is, uh, is pretty unheard of. What's important to me is that he also looks uh, unathletic. We're going to try and help Ian enjoy this series. Mike Hall is also here from the Big Ten Network. So, so Mike, in addition to uh, the Kung Fu Panda, who are, who are some players I might want to look for? Um, let's see. Detroit has Prince Fielder. Not only is his name Prince Fielder, but he's really chubby. Um, yeah. And he's kind of an old school fat guy who happens to swing the bat really well. And his dad in the early 90s was a great player for a while. He had 50 home runs in one season. His name was Cecil Fielder. Um, so he's a second-generation guy, and, and if you're looking for weird things like beards or chubby guys to root for, he's a good one. Another guy in the Giants that you could look at is Tim Lincecum, <laughs> who's a pitcher who I think weighs about 150 pounds, <laughs> Wet. has stringy long hair, and can <laughs> throw the ball like 99 miles per hour. And he's a fascinating story because he's, I believe, a Cy Young Award winner again, one of those guys who was the best in his league at pitching, and was, I mean, this is a guy who can start an all-star game and would be your game one starter, 
And he had a really disappointing year this year. His regular season was way worse than it was be, has been normally. He's someone who should be amazing and would be one of the first guys we talk about, but has had a down year. All right, so what, what sounds like one thing I want to look at is I have Linscombe on the Giants, who's one of the skinniest players I'm going to see, <laughs> playing against Prince Fielder, one of the fattest players I'm going to see. There could be an Abbott and Costello routine right. from the mound to the plate, yes. All right, so that's good. What about these two teams? I mean, I know uh, San Francisco's had some success recently. Tigers, I... I have I can't remember if I knew they were a team. Well, they yes they <laughs> they've been a team. They've been a team for a while. They're one of the original teams. Okay. Um, they go way back to like Ty Cobb is one of the greatest players of all time, and he was a Tiger, and he was you know a real sob according to those who played in the game. Um, they've kind of rejuvenated their fan base. I mean, not to get political or anything, but we all know how tough it's been in the state of Michigan and in the city of Detroit. They had more than three million fans come this year to see Tiger games, and that's crazy. If you get three million, you've had a remarkable year. For example, the Chicago White Sox were battling the Tigers throughout the year, and Chicago is obviously a much healthier city and a much larger city. They didn't hit two million fans, and Detroit hit three million. So there's there's something impressive about their fan base and how they've come out and how they've supported this team. So so they're they're kind of my Cinderella. Sure. Sure, if you wanted to put it in the uh, the old NCAA basketball yeah, terms. Or fairy tale. I'm g- fairy tale terms are going to be helpful to me. <laughs> it's probably here. more direct, yeah, yeah, the fairy tale. Yeah. The other thing you should look for with the Tigers is Miguel Cabrera, who was the Triple Crown winner, which means he won both what? Had hit the most home runs. Most home runs, uh, the most uh, runs batted in, and the highest batting average. And that is, I mean, if you want to talk about me bearing the lead, I buried the lead there by not bringing him up. The Triple Crown is... One of the most rare accomplishments in all of sports. The last time it happened was 1967. You may not see this, but once or twice more in your life. Um, so for him to be the best in his league at hitting for average, hitting for power in home runs, and driving in runs, RBIs, is almost unprecedented. We should also say he's not a skinny guy. No. Okay. He's another big guy. Got some girth. Is there a way to talk about the Triple Crown? Uh, what could I compare it to? in life or in another sport to understand how significant it is. Could we compare it to the horse racing triple crown? Yeah, just like with um, Cabrera's triple crown. It's been decades since someone has, since a horse uh, has done that. Um, because again, you, you need a little bit of luck and you need to win when the pressure is on the three most important races. It's interesting that um, the two sports I care least about <laughs> both have a triple crown. <laughs> I guess it's just coincidence. Yeah. They're not interchangeable. Um, That's true. Very few horses have made it to the major leagues. We should point that out. (laughs) The only thing I can think of that we haven't covered that would be fun as a casual fan is baseball, unlike any other sport, the field that you play on is a character in the storyline. San Francisco's ballpark is not brand new, but it's new, um, and it's got a ton of character. When you look uh, at the ballpark, first off, uh, the outfield wall um, has those... They, they look like Volkswagen Bugs, like the new one. There's like six of these little cars that lace the left field wall. So you could see a guy going back to try to catch a home run, and he's going to literally have to jump over a huge picture of a car uh, to try to make the catch. If you go further into left field, there's this massive glove, a massive baseball glove with a Coca-Cola bottle in it. And I only point that out because you don't see that anywhere else. It's really weird. It doesn't come into play, but you'll notice it if you're watching the games. 
But the third thing to watch, which is, again, one of the cool things about baseball, you can have different dimensions and you can put your parks where you want. And Wrigley Field has the brick wall and the ivy and the wind. And San Francisco's ballpark is literally right on the body of water. And you will see home runs go over right field, and they call them splash hits because they will drop in the water. And when you're watching the game, Fox will show at certain times um, a camera that shows 60, 70 kayaks out there uh, in the water waiting for home runs. Um, and it's kind of fun to watch. It doesn't happen that often. I think in the you know 10 years or so the park's been open, they've had like 62 splash hits. But it's really fascinating to watch, and it's, it's certainly a unique sports thing. So if I'm watching with friends, I'll be like, oh, come on, splash it. You want to splash, splash it. it. All right. That's absolutely what you could say. Any final thoughts as we go into the World Series? Um, you know, I was talking with my dad yesterday about the World Series, and he said to me, he was like, Mike, to be honest, I don't really care that much about either of these teams. And I said, yeah, I get it, you know, because if it's the Yankees, it's easy to hate them because they're very hateful um, or very hateable, I should say. You know, if it was a, a scrappy, you know, young team or a new team or, you know, like Washington was in the playoffs and they haven't been good in decades and decades, it'd be easy to root for them. But Detroit was there recently. San Francisco won recently. And, and I sort of said to him, yeah, I get it that it's not it's not the sexiest of two teams, but the World Series is still the World Series. And he was kind of like, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm going to watch <laughs> because it's fun to watch. And if you can get anything close to last year's Game 7, I mean, that was one of the great sporting events of the year. So you, I, I, my goal is always that it goes six or seven games so that it just builds the drama. But but I would hope that you still get a chance to watch some of the games because it's pretty fun late fall tradition. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Received at 4.03 p.m. today. Hi, guys. This is Beatrice from Michigan. I was wondering how to make a great Halloween costume inexpensively and easily. Thanks. Bye. Well, Beatrice, we can we can help with that. We're going to head over to the Goodman Theater here in Chicago. They're getting ready for their annual production of A Christmas Carol. Heidi Sue McMath is the costume shop manager. You'll know we're in the costume shop. When we start speaking in hushed tones. Dramatic well, hushed tones. To yet. And so, um, oh, I don't have keys. Anybody got a set of keys? Sorry. Anybody got keys in here? This, this door says the cave on it. What do you think they built? Is this the lock? I think it's just a cave. We have um, several, like three or four storage rooms throughout the um, building. And we save almost everything. Um, from the shows because, you know, we use things over and over again. And so this is just a portion of our shoe storage, for example, and just a portion of our hat storage um, and, you know, undergarments and things like that. So Now, you have all of these hats. We see there's racks of shoes mm-hmm. here. Do the people that work here at the theater, are they ever allowed to come down during Halloween and just grab some stuff? No, no, because, um, you know, it is our bread and butter. It really is our stock of things. And what we did uh, and what we do is every few years we have a Halloween sale. Really, and this year we did. Last Saturday was the sale, and that gives an opportunity to the public and our staff to buy things that we have decided we just probably can't reuse. You know, is that something that a lot of uh, professional theater companies do? Yes, really. Steppenwolf, I believe Steppenwolf did one the week before us. Um, All of us have such limited space, you know, and we hang on to everything for dear life until we um, recognize that it's been sitting around so long and we've not used it. So. 
we, uh, I don't know if this is the best place to talk or if you wanted to go somewhere well, else. I'm going to show you the craft room right. next. This is where we do um, millinery. So these hats were all built here for Christmas Carol. You can see over here she's doing um, dyeing the fabric, which is a huge thing that we do. Um, she's also doing some distressing of like uh, Marley, the, the ghost of Marley, you know, and which is also something people do at Halloween a lot. You know, you might go to the thrift, buy a costume and paint it up with blood or something and be, you know, again, some horror movie victim. Um, now, the covering something in fake blood, mm -hmm. that still counts as distressing? There's not a separate word for um, blood We something? pretty much call it distressing. It is a little bit different. Actually, we do call it distressing. And, and basically, with blood, you're looking at two different things. Either painted on blood that you that's dried, you know, mm -hmm. or in some scenes, of course, we have active blood. So we'll use a wet blood agent. And that is, of course, the nightmare for all costumers. What, so if I'm at home and I don't have access to mm -hmm. active blood agents mm -hmm. or whatever, what's something that I can use that will best uh, represent blood? Well, um, food coloring is actually the base that we use. So you're going to want to suspend food coloring in something. Traditionally, you would put some sort of a syrup in it. You would put um, sometimes peanut butter in there as a slight thickener. There's a lot of, but you'll see recipes out on the internet as to what to do. Um, I assume creamy peanut butter, right? Yeah, I would hope. <laughs> yeah. But of course, painted blood might be what you want because you don't want to necessarily be carrying live blood through the streets, getting it on your kids, getting it on everybody you're with, you know. Makes hugging. Probably hugging hard, very hard. People don't like to hug you if you've got wet blood on you. You, you must sort of use everyday items to, mm -hmm. to simulate other things. Mm -hmm. What are a couple examples of, of things you've, I don't know, taken out of the house and turned into a costume? Well, actually, one of the things that we do a lot is um, go to the hardware store. Hardware store is a great friend. Your craft stores, your Joanne Fabrics, of course, but your hardware stores are fabulous. Um, we did one show I remember that was great fun. And I love going into a hardware store and like freaking them out. And they'll say, can I help you? Because first they look at a woman and they think I know nothing about hardware. Little do they know I'm a technician, you know, but that's okay. And so well, I remember going into an automotive parts store once and we were looking, we were doing a sort of a, a whimsical Elizabethan uh, set of costumes and for Midsummer Night Dream, the, the mechanicals, you know. And so the idea was that they were going to be in all these roughs that were made out of filters, you know, muffler filters and all that kind of thing. And so we went in and I had no idea there were so many different types of filters out there. They were all great. And so I would pick them up and I would put it over my head to see if it would go over my head. And the guys behind the counter are just staring at me like, okay, we got a crazy one over in aisle seven, you know. <laughs> I think also things like, you know, duck tape is your friend. You know, you're doing something quick on the fly. You've got a great idea. Maybe you're putting trash bags together to make something or whatever or cardboard together. Tape it up, you know. Let's try like a lightning round style. So let's say it's Halloween. I want to be uh, Felix Baumgartner, the, the guy who just jumped out of the capsule and parachuted to earth. Let's see. So parachute stuff and rigging like that. Well, you're going to want webbing and belting. I wonder where the best place to get cheap on that is. Again, you could buy that kind of stuff hardware store, you know, something that looks like a pack. Yeah, again, sometimes you're going to find at the thrift stores, um, you know, uh, all-in-one jumpsuits that like construction workers use and stuff like that. You probably want to get a bright colored one if you can find it. So I would think about that kind of thing. And then you're going to want something that looks like the pack. So, um, you know, if you have old belting from something lying around, um, a, a kid's old broken down car seat thing with strapping I mean you might you, what you want is probably old strapping or you're going to go someplace and get the cheapest strapping you can get hardware store uh, or something like that and probably rig a bag onto you you know even that that might be the place to take trash bags you know and make sort of your own fake parachute kind of a thing so that's good all right, what if, um, I think another big costume is going to be uh, people being a binder full of women how would you be a binder full of, of women well uh um 
Mm-hmm. A binder. Well, it sounds like a cardboard kind of thing again then. Or, po- uh, you know, uh, you can go to the art store and get that foam core that's a little bit sturdier and it would look, you know, be white or whatever. And sometimes you can even get it in color. And then again, I would duct tape that together into the binder thing. Um, you might want something that looked like rings. But that way you could get an oversized thing because that foam core comes in pretty good size sheets. And will we'll certainly hold up for a day of uh, whatever. And then, of course, whatever exotic costume that you want to mix with it so that you see, you know, interesting limbs and arms coming out are probably what you want to do. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you as well. <laughs> That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? We learned that uh, to become an Apple genius uh, really requires like a full knowledge of like human behavior. Yeah, and you can't, uh, you cannot say the word hot. That's horrible. If you're ever gonna try and pick up chicks or talk about chicks with other Apple geniuses. Well, what about lunchtime when you put your warm pocket in the oven? That sounds oh, disgusting. True. Do you think that, like, Albert Einstein and Leonardo da Vinci, if they saw the Genius Handbook, would be like, yep, I do all these things. That, that's right. Page 56, revolutionized physics. Okay, I got yep, that. Yep, I, I learned also that uh, if you're stuck on Halloween, you can go uh, to your local theater and buy an old costume. I think that's a great idea. I will, that I will investigate, certainly, next year. Do you think you could make, like, a sexy Ebenezer Scrooge outfit? Well, I think a sexy Jacob Marley is a better costume because then you're naked, but you have chains covering. Oh, yeah, covering sure. You. Do you think it's uh, when you do Tiny Tim, does it just become Sexy Tim? So we, we, uh, we didn't do the Toilet of the Week this week. We are looking through the submissions. We'll, we'll be back with that next week. But keep them coming. Send us your favorite public restrooms. You can send them to howto at npr.org. Also, we I guess we got nominated for a Stitcher Award, the Stitchies, I the think. The Stitchies, 2012, the first ever Stitcher Awards. Stitcher is a podcast platform. If you like our show, you should uh, vote for us. And if you don't, why have you been listening all the way to the credits? That's pretty dumb. Thanks, Mom. How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Haga with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Leah Menzer, and I, have, I haven't seen her costume yet. She's coming as an intern really good really convincing hmm. our website is howtodoeverything.org send us your questions at howto at npr.org I mean I'm Mike thanks thanks can I tell you just as an aside when you said Albert Einstein and Leonardo da Vinci I pictured Albert Einstein and Leonardo DiCaprio that was the image that popped in my head I'm, I'm serious and it's weird <laughs> What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs>